0: You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host Carl Fitzgerald as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Broadcasting from Cape Hillsborough, just north of Mackay, central north Queensland. It's time for another Investigation into the powers of monopoly as the rentiers, the rent seekers, grasp on supposed democratic functions continues to escalate in the face of a yawning public audience drowning in the murdocracy. Up here in Queensland, it's staggering discussing with people what is happening. They only get to read The Australian or The Courier-Mail, both owned by Rupert Murdoch, both championing the rights of those trying to gouge the public in order to enjoy the free lunch, the naturally rising value of the earth and its natural monopolies. That is the name of the game under the neoliberal order and that's what we here on The Renegade Economists are so passionate about pointing out to you, the public. One of the most important checks and balances we have in our economy is the role of land valuation. I'm particularly impressed by the georgist movement as within our ranks we have many land valuers and these are professionals who have to appraise the value of certain location locations and be willing to defend that market valuation in the court of law. It's not good enough to uh, sit in your glass house as we economic theoreticians do Uh, and project uh, any sort of uh, value on a property. These guys have to actually be out in the field looking at what median incomes are in an area, looking at what past property sales have gone for, and then using some six or seven different property valuation methods, cross-referencing them to ensure that they have an accurate land valuation. Well, on today's show, we have... Ted Gwartney, who's been a uh, land appraiser, which is the U.S. term for land valuer, for over 40 years. He's the president of the Robert Shelkenback Foundation, our uh, the largest U.S. Georgist organization, and a very knowledgeable man. So uh, let's have a listen to this interview. It was recorded about 18 months ago, and select portions of this will be seen in an upcoming documentary I'm working on as I travel Australia on this All The Good Things journey around the nation. I must put a proviso on that. As long as the solar panels we've spent over $1,100 on can charge more than two gadgets. It is frustrating trying to survive off-grid without access to reliable energy. I digress. Let's step on into the interview with Ted Gwartney.
1: Land valuers are really the front line of what's happening in an economy. Uh, in my last three years in Greenwich, Connecticut, I spent a great deal of time in court having to defend the land values. Economists had great, greatly inflated ideas about what land is worth, but we would have to base our values on what really happened in the market. And we use the, not only the sales of vacant land, but the sales of improved land to, to show what land was worth. Land valuation is very important. A uh, property consists of both land and buildings. And buildings tend to lose value as time goes on, whereas land appreciates in value as time goes on. Therefore, it's important to maintain current land values ideally reassessing all land every year, and this can be done with the technology that we have today. Tell
2: us about the GIS satellite valuation systems. Are they really developing? We haven't seen them in Australia.
1: Well, uh, many assessors in the United States have uh, a geographic information systems so that they're able to see uh, the, 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 the land characteristics and they build databases based upon these characteristics. Not many people are valuing land without an appraiser actually being there, reviewing what is being done. But it is possible to do a lot of work, especially initial, initial work in a country that has limited information available, it could be done through a geographic information system.
2: The geospatial software, how does it actually work? Does it? Amalgamate the different property sales around the area?
1: Um, <clears throat> Geographic information systems allow the assessor uh, to visualize different land characteristics and to see how the market would respond to different characteristics. Uh, obviously, land located along a body of water has a much greater value than land located further away, and land close to uh, transportation centers have greater value than those that are distance and certainly in in Greenwich Connecticut where I was the assessor we found vast differences in land value a hundred times difference from a prime location to a, a rural location and this is true with with most assessments
2: and so the software would keep a historical record of property sales um, and Overlaid with the topographical type maps um, that looks at the infrastructure and would come up with with trends around certain areas.
1: Um, not really. I'll kind of explain it. What what, what we've been doing. Um, the geographic information systems allow the assessor to utilize the knowledge that he has and and use. Uh, regression type programs that will help to estimate land values based upon characteristics. But it still takes the thought process to analyse what people are paying for land and to separate out what they're paying for the land as opposed to the total property value.
2: It's a very costly operation for land assessment according to uh, local folklore in Australia. Uh, much of it has been privatized now into private companies. Uh, is is that uh, how things operate here in America?
1: The assessor, of course, bases his values upon sales that have occurred, uh, both uh, improved sales and vacant sales, because every sale is a land sale, and we have now methods of determining the proportion of the total selling price that's related to land as opposed to the improvements that are on the land.
2: What is the US average for land price?
1: In the United States, we find that land generally makes up more than 50% of the total value from from an improved sale. Of course, this varies a lot. In a well-improved city like San Francisco, for example, 90% of the selling price is land value. And in rural areas, such as Riverside, California, it may be as low as 25 or 30% of land value.
2: Is the land honestly appraised, or is there a sense of uh, over-inflating the building component and undervaluing the land component to assist in depreciation write-offs?
1: Part of the problem with valuing land is that assessors have limited budgets and limited time. As a result, many assessors are unable to do an annual valuation of the land value. And as we know, land value increases as time goes on, whereas building values decrease as time go on. Also because of this, investors like to have as large of a portion of the total value in buildings which can be depreciated and used as an income tax write-off. So the people do not protest when the assessments are that wrong because it's to their advantage of having a greater deduction from their income taxes.
2: Are you aware of Goldman Sachs' uh, blacklist of land appraisers and they would only hire land appraisers who would beef up the, the uh, building value and over inflate the overall property value for their, their investment arm?
1: Some companies would prefer to have a greater value placed upon the building value and a lower value on the land value. Goldman Sachs is one company that's been cited that uses appraisers that will place the highest value on the buildings possible and a lower value on the land. This allows for greater depreciation and a better return on their investment.
2: Prior to the, what we call the global financial crisis, there was a lot of concern amongst the land appraisal community that uh, these overinflated land prices were being pushed and the companies like Goldman Sachs were also uh, only hiring people who would push up the, the land values, uh, uh, the property values. Uh, was there, that a widespread thought amongst the appraisal community?
1: Uh, Before the crash in the real estate market, there was great concern in the appraisal community because the prices were increasing at such high rates. Many of us felt like they were unsustainable, that these values would crash. Uh, But yet the appraisals kept coming in high, inflating these values, and homeowners got stuck carrying much higher mortgages than what the property wound up being worth.
0: I asked Ted, what is happening with the property market in Irvine, California?
1: Most of our sales are, are sales for cash and they try to get the best price possible.
0: That's
2: unbelievable. Where's this cash coming
1: from? The, the cash is coming not only from homeowners, but from investors around the world. We find now that a large percentage of buyers in our market are from China or other Asian countries and we see the money coming in because they consider property in California to be more stable than in China.
2: Yeah, well, it's a big global issue, isn't it? This uh, incredible mobility of capital. Yes. And uh, how high have property prices increased here in LA County over the last year?
1: Because of the demand by investors for property, many are buying properties only just to rent them out the values of properties have been going up at greater than 20% per year over the last several years and people who were able to buy a house 3 years ago are now being priced out of buying that same house they didn't have the down payment 3 years ago now they do but the price has gone up so much that they are priced out of the market
2: it seems like following the global financial crisis there was some criticism of banks but really the The real estate sector got off scot-free, and now the cat is out of the bag. Anyone with half a brain around the world realizes that buying and selling real estate is your ticket to riches. Is that what you're seeing here?
1: We're finding that many investors see real estate as their method of becoming wealthier. And they put their money into real estate because instead of earning a small amount on an investment in a bank, They're able to earn a large amount by investing in land and in real estate. So we're seeing investors now devoting majority of their money and their investable money uh, into land and real estate. What
2: about superannuation companies uh, that you might call them pension funds Mm -hmm. here? Are they active players in the real estate game?
1: Pension funds used to be invested in very safe, long-term investments. Pension funds now are devoting more of their assets into riskier land and real estate investments, and we're finding this to be now the norm that a certain percentage of their investment goes into long-term real estate speculation.
2: What about companies like Blackstone Capital who are raising private equity money? And again, having all this surplus cash chasing yields because uh, returns in the banking sector are so low and they're so high here in real estate, it's almost like the government is begging for another property bubble, another land bubble.
1: Uh, Blackstone Capital and other investment companies have, have large sums of money to invest. They go into a neighborhood and buy up all available housing and inflate the, the market greatly in that neighborhood. And they're going from neighborhood to neighborhood, then renting out the properties, watching their investments increase at much higher rates than what they could get from a normal investment in productive industry or business.
2: I find it very interesting now that mom and dad investors are being pushed out of the market, and it's as if the... Uh, Big Capital has cornered the mortgage market, they've soaked up the rents there, and now they're going after the rental market. Blackstone Capital seems to be the vanguard of that from what I see in Australia, but assisting them are the growth of companies such as Renters Warehouse. that do all the body corporate type work on an individual property by property basis.
1: What we've seen is the, the market change from what used to be individuals buying rental properties And making a small return to where now all of these properties are being bought by large investment firms that realize that the money is to be made in the long term and will be much higher than what they would receive by investing in a productive business or industry.
0: You're on 3CR's Renegade Economist this week discussing with land valuer Ted Gwartney the importance of land valuations and the benefits of a land tax system.
1: In Orange County, the valuable land is owned by a half a dozen individuals that have owned this land for a long period of time. Many of them go back to the, the, the Spanish days where land was originally given, the title to land was originally given, and then passed on through generations. And many of these land bankers are deliberately only allowing a small portion of their land to be developed each year because they know the longer that they hold it, the greater overall return they're going to be receiving. We see, for example, the Irvine Company has the most valuable land probably in the state. And they develop only a very small portion each year. And each year, the prices go up. The Irvine Company not only only develops a small amount each year, but instead of selling it, they lease it out. They lease it out on terms so that they can raise the rent over time.
2: Fascinating. And so uh, and so, this um, a process of, of drip feeding to the market, do they have some form of demand assessment on how much to release, or is, is there a strategy behind it? What strategy is there?
1: There is a strategy behind releasing just a small amount of land each year for development. And that strategy basically is to make the greatest return overall on your investment. And they know that there is a certain amount that will be able to be sold at a high price. And that it makes more sense to only release that amount that can be sold at that high price and to hold on to the rest because the price only goes up. And here in Orange County, we've now seen the value of our land Skyrocket many people now are having to pay Just in the neighborhood. I'm here up to 80% of the home value is land value
2: And this Irvine company how far back have they held the land titles to this
1: region? The Irvine company got the original land title in the 1850s Uh, it was then been inherited by the family members and there were Irvines on the title all along. Uh, currently, there are other land barons who have bought in an interest to the Irvine properties, and they are now reaping the money of this holding out of land over a long period of time.
2: Lucky people, eh?
1: Very, very wealthy people uh, who have had a strategy uh, not to meet the current market demand, but to hold on to their land as long as possible and watch the values grow.
2: So the lazier they are, the more money they can make.
1: That is correct. Many people, for example, have to commute 80 miles out to a desert-type area known as Murrieta and Temecula and, and, then tr- and then drive into Orange County to work. This is because there is not the release of the land that should be released for the demand, so that people have to make a, a couple of hour commute to get to work each day.
2: Now let me guess, the uh, vacancy rates are at a record low despite this land sale, um, this land banking practice going on. Would that be correct?
1: Uh, Vacancy rates are at a record low in Orange County. Uh, Virtually uh, all property that's put up for rent uh, is rented almost immediately. Houses that are put up for sale are sold almost immediately. So there's a very high demand for property uh, in this area.
2: but yet there's thousands of, of blocks of vacant land that could be built upon, but a couple of families are, are sitting on them, uh, are waiting for us to beg.
1: Uh, yes, there are, there are large areas of land that are in, in interim use such as uh, ranching or, or orange groves and other things. And we've seen the orange groves gra- gradually disappear from Orange County where they were quite popular. But now we see the development going much further out. And I should mention also that in addition to the land speculators of the wealthy uh, land barons, also the United States government is holding the hillsides as a preserve, basically, so that uh, they're not being developed and will never be developed.
2: Well, I can see some uh, sense to that, but uh, it's a concern though that uh, I mean, some people are concerned about population and here L.A. County has 16 million-plus people. How many more people could you bear here, and and what could be done to make the community operate more effectively?
1: Well, there there are are two things that are happening. One, by taxing land value or land rent, you would then cause more people to properly utilize their land uh, to either redevelop it or to improve it. And we see that this is the simple thing that could be done so that when a building becomes obsolete, it would be torn down and a newer, better building would be built on it. Uh, We now see that most of the land that's being developed that's raw are very, very tiny lots. Whereas there are houses sitting on acres of land that could be redeveloped, that are just not being redeveloped because the taxes on holding the land are so small that there is no incentive. So basically, people are not given any incentive to use their property correctly, but rather they're giving an incentive to basically hold on to it because as time goes on, they're going to make more money than by using their, their land to its highest and best use.
0: I dug this interview out of the archives as I'm really frustrated at what's happening uh, around Australia, around the world, with this core check and balance of land valuations. It seems like uh, there's been a missive sent out of perhaps somewhere like Davos where the world's leading rent seekers gather each year to discuss some of the pressing issues. And as this world of geospatial analysis continues to grow, as the movement for free data continues to grow, the reaction by those who supposedly own the Earth is that we must cover our trails, we must privatise our land titles offices. Yes, it's uh, quite something that in Australia you can put a property up for sale and within 24 hours have that land title approved and the the property uh, uh, legally having changed hands. Uh, But uh, in most jurisdictions around the planet that is just not possible. They're nowhere near that level of efficiency. Here in uh, Australia, and South Australia in particular, the Torrens title of land titling was developed. Here in Australia, this is the world's best practice. Torrens titling means that essentially the government owns, holds the land title in paper format at a central office uh, that is then backed up and held also at local council offices and between those two forms of checks and balances alongside some uh, very uh, snappy uh, title identification mechanisms. uh, There there is virtually no way that uh, a a particular location in Australia can lose the, the chain of ownership. That's very important when you're dealing with over a million transactions a year which is what's estimated to be happening in Australia now. But some two years ago, I started reporting on rumours that uh, they were going to privatise the English land titles offers. That led to a furious uh, reaction from land valuers there where some 3,000 uh, valuers went on strike, telling the government this is uh, uh, a ludicrous situation. It would be a £1 billion God, I'm blowing off a mosquito. I got attacked two weeks ago on my radio show by sand flies. I'm still recovering. I must put that photo online. But um, I digress. I get back on track and say that, uh, yeah, the the UK land titles privatization agenda seem to have started this trend towards privatizations. I know in Canada they've also privatized a land title search, but uh, it's spreading around the world. And after that uh, protest in the UK, the government declared they weren't going to privatise the Land Titles office. Waited a year or so until George Osborne, just before Easter, announced that they were going to put it back on the chopping block. This £1 billion plus sell-off. Now uh, this has again led to major concerns. Uh, in the UK, the Competition and Markets Authority said selling off the organisation that keeps the official record of commercial and residential land ownership in England and Wales will give the new owner a monopoly on commercially valuable data with no incentive to improve access to it. And that's what happens with a monopoly. As we discussed with Ted, uh, there's an incentive to become lazier regarding the access to that information. The lazier you are, the the higher the price that can be charged on something that people desperately need. So we're going to see what happens in the UK. It seems like their appraisal office, their, their property valuation uh, networks are on the front foot to really try and stop this, so let's see what happens in um, in the face of the powers of neoliberalism and this uh, push to always privatise things. So wherever we look, the costs of privatisation add up, and uh, New South Wales is looking to privatise their land titles office. Uh, it's going to deliver a short-term boon for the government. But as I've mentioned in the past, uh, JP Morgan are lining up for some $10 million consultancy fee. Uh, The government's looking to make over half a billion dollars in the sale. Turns out, just found this out today, that South Australia has already privatised their land titles office, earning them some three or four hundred million dollars. And the problem is that the price for accessing land titles for research groups like Prosper Australia will increase by some 25% according to uh, the immediate price increase in New South Wales. So just as we're getting this geospatial analysis where we can see every land title in the nation, the neoliberals are pushing to lock up the real dirt, the value of that land and how much it increases each year and to push that price up so that for anyone doing macro analysis across the economy you're only going to be able to do what the real estate lobby lets you see according to realestate.com.au or some such website like that. So with recent concerns about the census and uh, our privacy concerns with hackers and so much data being online publicly What's it going to mean for corporations who may well have links to uh, the property lobby having access to all this data? Will these land titles be properly looked after? Will the sanctity of contracts be preserved when corporations have an overriding desire to cut costs so that they can increase profits without really caring about the degree of service provision. And in New South Wales this is particularly important in the light of the recent independent commission against corruption uh, findings of the dominance of the property lobby throughout New South Wales politics. Both sides of politics are in bed with the lobby and now ICAC has had their funding cut back In the meantime, uh, insiders are uh, laughing in the face of the ICAC findings by privatising the land titles office so that it will be more difficult for investigative journalists to see how much money Nathan Tinkler made by having his land abutting the Newcastle port rezoned or not. Those sort of questions are going to be more difficult to answer in times to come. So on that cheery note, we end this week's Renegade Economists. My name's Carl Fitzgerald. Get in touch via renegades at earthsharing.org.au or on Twitter at Earthsharing. Thanks for the feedback. It's great to hear from uh, Boulder, Colorado that they're uh, very interested in community-led housing. I look forward to reporting into you further up into North Queensland as we approach Cairns next week on the beloved 3CR airwaves.